Good morning, football fans, and welcome to another episode of Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We have a special guest on today's show. Former semi-pro quarterback Sam Jones is on with a really nice interview between him and him and I where we discuss his career playing football at the high school level and the semi-pro level up in Vermont, and we discuss concussions and NFL safety and injuries in general, Um, and he has a very interesting, I guess I had a couple of ideas too to try and uh, help out the safety of the league, but uh, Sam in particular had a very good idea, um, really intriguing I thought, on what the the NFL can, what a change in, what what change the NFL can do to uh, make the game safer at the pro level, really all the levels. So uh, we have that. That'll take up the bulk of our show today. But our leading story, uh, we're going to go with the the Saints against the New England Patriots. That's going to be our first segment. Second segment, we are going to uh, go to that interview from Sam that I did with him a couple of days ago. And uh, in the third segment, we'll do a, an abbreviated fourth and long segment again. Uh, for those of you who know Sam, know that uh, Sam Jones loves to talk. So uh, majority of our show today is going to be him and I's interview. But before we get to that, let's talk about the Saints and Patriots. Fantastic game. Another great game at 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, it seems like that these games are better than the Monday night and um, and Sunday night games, at least so far. The Sunday night game um, on Sunday was a little bit of a dud, even though it was a it's a good rivalry game. But uh, the Saints-Patriots, there's a bunch of different ways you can go with this. I mean, obviously the, the, the most basic one is the Patriots stole one against the Saints, and uh, the Saints fall, losing their first game of the year. Now both teams are 5-1. and one. Um but that's not exactly the way I wanted to go with it. Uh, Patriots, in my mind, deserve to win this game. They played very well. You look at the stats on defense for, for New England. I know they gave up uh, 27 points. I mean, it became a high-scoring game like everybody anticipated. But at halftime, this game was 17-7. to the, the Saints were held to seven points in the first half. And in the whole game, Marcus Colson caught just one pass for 11 yards. And Jimmy Graham had a big fat goose egg. You believe that? Jimmy Graham, arguably the the best pass catcher in the league this season, and the New England Patriots defense of all defenses holds him to no catches. The last time Jimmy Graham did not have a catch in a game was back in 2010, his rookie season. So really impressive that uh, New England was able to do that. Patriots suffered quite a bit of injuries in this game. Uh, their top cornerback, Khalid Talib, left with a hip injury. Danny Amendola re-injured himself. This time it looks like he has a concussion. Uh, just seems like guys are going down left and right for the Patriots. And it looked like at the end of the, at the, end of the game that the Saints were going to pull this one out. They were up 24-23. Uh, to New England goes for it on fourth down with... About 2.30 left in the game and, and failed to convert for a first down. 
Saints take over, already in field goal range, hoping to get more points or run out the clock. Well, they get a field goal, so now New England's only down by four. There's still over two minutes left in the game, or about two minutes left. New England, again, has to punt the ball away, give it back to New Orleans, and again, the Patriots' defense comes up big, stops the Saints uh, on another three and out, which the first the first uh, possession inside 230, it was, it was a three and out for the Saints, and they kicked a field goal. This time, New Orleans punted, and New England gets the ball back, drives down the field, and scores a touchdown with five seconds left. Tom Brady finds Kemperl Tompkins in the corner of the end zone for the game-winning score. New England pulls off an amazing comeback win. I think everybody, including the announcers, believe that the game was won by the Saints and somehow the Patriots come back and win. Kind of a theme in sports, at least in the Boston area, on Sunday evening into Sunday night with the Red Sox coming back against the Tigers. Um, So what do we make of this? Um, Well, like I've said with my, my leading thoughts... Patriots' defense is for real, man. Uh, they, they looked really good against one of the best offenses in the league. Yeah, they scored, you know, 24 points, 20, uh, t- 27 points, sorry. But <laughs> New England, as long as they're healthy, as long as, you know, Tlaib comes back and is healthy and they have all their guys, they've proven through the first six games of the year that they can win with a good defense and an average to above-average offense. Now, now that offense is only going to get better as the season goes. And quite honestly, that defense is only going to get better too. So New England is kind of, you know, you hate to say that New England is a sleeper team because um, when you win three championships, go to five Super Bowls, you're not exactly a sleeper team. Uh, So it's tough to to call them that but they're kind of a dark horse uh you, people keep counting them out um and everybody wants to talk about how great the broncos are and it's kind of we we've maybe well we're we're not going to feature them on this this week's episode just because it's gotten redundant it just they're, they're on fire they they can't be stopped basically i mean they played the jaguars this sunday but new england is just it's going to be really interesting when those two teams finally play. And it's going to be in New England, so it's going to be quite entertaining, I think. And there's a couple other teams in the AFC that are stepping up with big performances and, and big games. The AFC is stronger than I originally thought it would be. So that's exciting news and, and good stuff overall for the the AFC. For the Saints, it's a tough one to lose. I mean, on the road... Your defense had them stop twice. How many times are you going to put your defense in that situation where they have to stop Tom Brady inside of two minutes? You've stopped them once. Now you stopped them again. It's just like, well, that, the game should be won. You should get out of there, get out of Foxborough. Really tough place to play on the road. And you got a W, and you moved to 6-0. and Instead, you, you drop your first game. You have the first loss of the season. It's not a big deal. I don't think it's going to affect... Playoff seedings. Uh, it's not going to affect the Saints in their division quest. Is it going to affect home field advantage? I just said it's not going to affect seedings. Uh, I guess it could affect home field advantage, uh, and that's going to be huge this year in the NFC. It, it really is. I don't see anybody going into New Orleans or anybody going into Seattle to beat those teams. And if those teams are the teams that end up having the one and two seeds, have the buys 
and end up going into the conference championship game playing each other, then whoever's home is going to have a huge advantage, whatever team it is. And even if it's not those two teams, if you have a San Francisco in there, if you have a Green Bay in there, uh, Chicago, if you, they have to go into New Orleans or into Seattle, it's going to be very difficult to to pick anybody to beat those teams. So the loss could be big in the sense that you know it could affect the Saints having another home playoff game. But it's an out of conference loss. It's a it's a loss on the road. On if you look at the Saints' schedule, that is one of the games that you don't really mind them dropping. Um, but that being said, game that they had, game they should have won. And it was really exciting fashion that the Patriots were able to come back and get that win. All right, we're actually going to take a quick break, go to our first song of the day, and then we'll come back with that interview from Sam Jones. Man, that last note sounds like I'm singing. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We have a special guest once again on the show today. Former semi-pro quarterback Sam Jones and I, we had an article come out about 10, almost, well, 10 days ago, almost two weeks ago now, um, that uh, we, hit, we uh, exchanged through email. I asked him a few questions about NFL safety and concussions and such, and he he responded through through email for me, and um, we we just had such a good good discussion about concussions and uh, football safety and the NFL uh, and NFL injuries in general that I thought it'd be worth bringing him on here on the show, giving a f- fresh perspective uh, and a non biased perspective. I think that's important to note. Um, not an NFL player, didn't play in college, but has played at a pretty high level with pads and, and intense tackling and, and you know all of the rules that are applied in the NFL but doesn't have the biases of playing in the NFL or, or feeling the need to have to uh, not say or have, feel the need to say the right thing to not upset the NFL because he's an employee or at all associated with the NFL. So anyway, without... Further ado, here's that interview with Sam Jones. Joining me now, former semi-pro quarterback Sam Jones. How you doing today, Sam? Pretty good. How are you yourself? Good, good. Thanks for coming on our, on our show today. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where have you played? Uh, what levels? And um, how uh, do you, are you still playing? Yeah, so... Um... I started in seventh grade playing flag football because that's all they would allow us to play at that age. Um, And then moved into high school football, uh, which was tackle in um, Middlebury, Vermont. Um, We had two undefeated regular seasons, my junior and uh, senior year, and went on to... uh, lose against a team that we had already beaten in the semifinal game. And uh, then um, after a few years of college, um, not playing football, I decided to try out for the Syracuse team. Um, They basically 
I ended up meeting with the offensive coordinator, uh, Rob Spence, and uh, he basically told me uh, that I was too small at 165. How tall are you? 5'8". Okay. And so then uh, after my senior year of college, I was returning for a fifth year, but after my senior year of college during the summer, I decided to take up uh, semi-pro football in Vermont since I was home for the summer. And I met with the coach of the Vermont Ice Storm and quickly uh, was playing for them. So I ended up playing a lot of uh, like odds and ends positions um, for the f- first little while. You know, I played halfback in practice. I got a few reps at quarterback in practice um, because I was like second or third string, even though I hadn't played, um, just because we didn't have much depth. Actually, our first league game, we played a huge rival of ours, Plattsburgh, New York, um, and our quarterback had suffered a concussion uh, in the previous week in a preseason game, um, and so without having played quarterback since high school, I was the second one in the spot, so I ended up playing the whole game, and we beat a much more physically dominant team, uh, Plattsburgh, that year. You know, and I took a lot of shots, uh, but I don't know. So then I thought the season was looking up pretty well. Uh, I, I played well, especially for my first time back then. I didn't get another chance to um, to play as the quarterback until we were playing Albany. We got down in the first quarter of that game. Um, the other quarterback was playing and then he suffered a concussion late in the first quarter um, and sort of pulled himself out um, which is something that players do a lot at that level because there's not um, there's not really as many medical staff personnel uh, that you would even see at a high school game Mm -hmm. uh, let alone a college or professional game uh, usually there's um, usually there's volunteers from local uh, fire departments that have some medical training um, who come and look for things like that. Um, and sometimes there's uh, medical training staff on hand as well, but not all the time. Mm-hmm. So he pulled himself out of the game basically, and I played the next three quarters. Uh, we ended up losing by only three points they drove down uh the last drive and kicked a game-winning field goal um so we actually uh we actually won the game or won the last uh three quarters while i was in the game um but that ended up being my last game for the team because i got hit in the head just about every single play uh being a rushing quarterback um there's not really a play where you're not gonna uh you're not gonna get that contact um you know whether i was throwing the ball uh or running the ball uh i pretty much took a shot at the end of the play so yeah it was uh i think it was late 
in the third quarter, I hadn't noticed any symptoms or anything. I mean, when you're in the heat of the game, you, you know, your adrenaline's going so much that you don't even really notice that your head hurts or something as, as mild as like a subtle double vision. You, mm-hmm. you really don't notice you're, you're really into the game. Uh, so I think, though, watching the film... Um, and retrospectively, I think somewhere in the late third quarter, I would be where I would officially consider it a concussion. I remember one play, I dropped back, and there was a lot of pressure, um, which there was most of the game. Um, so I ended up scrambling up the middle, and I had a eight or nine-yard run before I got sort of shoelace tackled or tripped up, or I don't know if I just fell. Um, but I, so I was going down forward and my head was going into the ground right as a second player jumped onto my back. So that's where I would probably say I, I was, I don't think I lost consciousness, but I was definitely, um, dazed, Mm -hmm. uh, in retrospect. And I, I didn't really notice it then. I just thought that it was because of the, you know, because of the hit. Um, but the next play, I went on to throw probably the worst pass I've ever thrown. Uh, so that also looks like evidence that I had a concussion at that point. Uh, I overthrew through receiver in the flats by 10 feet uh, out of bounds. Well, I guess that leads into our next question. Um, how, how dangerous are concussions because... Like you said, well, at the semi-pro level, there, there really is no medical staff. That's a whole other issue. But not being able to diagnose them and in the heat of the game, maybe not being able to tell whether or not your head hurts or not unless you, know, you get completely knocked out um, and you're unconscious. But there's lots of concussions that that's not the case. Yeah, well, for me, that was the problem really is because you know, if you do get that knockout blow concussion, then it is fairly obvious um, to the people around you, if not yourself, that you have suffered a concussion, they take you out of the game. And those concussions, um, from talking with a, a cognitive psychology ex, uh, and concussion expert, um, he told me those types of concussions usually last um, a week or two um, from like a single impact like that. And the, the symptoms in that week or two are more severe, such as, you know, blacking out or being dizzy, throwing up, none of which uh, were symptoms that I really had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had headaches, I was tired, um, and I, I had double vision. Um, right. And those symptoms lasted not for a week or two, but for over a year, I'm still, I still have uh, double vision uh, on occasion. Wow. Um, Especially if I if I get uh, like dehydrated at all, um, then that that returns or late at night. Um, especially when you're or, or if I'm looking at a computer TV screen uh, or lights, like if you're driving, um, then those symptoms do return, even though it's been over a year now. Is that um, the only known concussion you've suffered from? That's the only one that's actually been diagnosed, but in retrospect, uh, there were definitely days in high school playing football where I did um, have those types of symptoms. 
I never noticed any double vision, but there's definitely days when you, 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 after playing football, you, you walk around and you, know, you have a headache and you feel sluggish all day or even for the rest of the week. But I do think that I have had those types of concussions, um, like whether they're mild, um, concussions or, uh, I think that they call them compound concussions, mm-hmm. uh, when they're from multiple hits rather than a single blow, um, I have had those in the past, but none of them have ever been diagnosed. I think that's what, and that's why we're having you on our show, Sam, because it's so such a scary thing. And many fans who've never played football before, myself included, never played a down of football, you know, with pads and everything, helmets on, um, where fans like like me don't realize that these concussions are so dangerous, mostly because of the fact that they're very difficult to diagnose and it's hard to know when you're completely healed. And, and like you said, sometimes the symptoms just randomly come back even a year later. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, for me, that was the scariest part, uh, about it is, you know, knowing that, um, you know, if I was to receive another concussion, then it may, the symptoms may last even longer or be permanent. Um, which is definitely, uh, you know, I've obviously stopped playing football because of that. Um, now that's not the only way that I could get a concussion. I mean, I could get it snowboarding or in a car accident. Um, so that definitely does, uh, you know, invoke some type of, uh, fear in everyday life, but it's not really something that I try to, uh, think about as much because I'm not going to completely change the way that I live just because of that um however i am gonna you know when playing football it's probably the most likely time you're ever going to receive a concussion so that is something that i have changed um right. and that i'm not gonna do because of that but yeah they, they are dangerous and like you said they're hard to diagnose uh especially the compound type and you know, you'll feel fine, and then you'll either, um, like, a couple months after my concussion, I was feeling better. I enrolled in, uh, uh, actually, it was almost four months after my concussion. Um, I was feeling better, and I enrolled in a, a karate uh, class just from doing the takedowns, uh, you know, when you when you take someone to the ground five times in a row and then you switch and they take, do the takedown to you right. just from landing on the ground. Uh, not my, my head wasn't even hitting the ground, but just from being jostled like that, um, I did start to experience some more or more severe symptoms than I had in the last four months or the last mm. couple months. Wow. Um, so I did, uh, end up dropping a class after, uh, the first week or two. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it can be something as simple or as gentle as that. I mean, I probably did rush myself um, since I'm still having symptoms now. Uh, only four months after the concussion uh, was probably rushing myself. But they told right. me that, you know, if you're feeling fine, then you should try stuff like that, try physical activity. Um, and they said it could last up from a year, two years, the type of concussion that I had. Wow. Um, but, you know, when you're feeling fine and you're a really active person like I am, then you want to sort of push yourself. 
Right. Um, and do of course things like any injury, you're always going to be trying to, to test, um, mm-hmm. test the boundaries of what you can do. And mm-hmm. then, you know, and then pull that back a little bit when you do start to feel some stress, uh, whether it's on a joint or your head, uh, you, yeah. you have to, you know, pull back a little bit. Cause when you do feel that like stress of it, then you are, um, actually going backwards rather than forward. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a balance between rehabilitation and more damage. Um, but the, the scariest part about it is that I, you know, with, with a joint injury or a muscle injury, I, you know, I'm pretty familiar with those. I've had a lot of them. I know how to go about fixing that, go about resting it, you know, rest, ice, compression, elevation, um, ibuprofen. We should add another I in that rice thing. Uh, <laughs> um, but I know how to go about treating those and, you know, you, you know when you're feeling better and there's not really any tricks to it. But with your head, there's not really any way to treat it. Um, when you get a concussion, it's just rest. There's no rest, ice, compression, elevation. It's just rest. Yeah. Uh, well, that's an interesting point. So, and, and it, it's, so it's a very in, inactive way of treating something, like whereas the other way, there's, it's a very active way of treating something. Um, but there's not really any way to to make it better or to know to know that the things that you're doing are making it better. Um, like I said, looking at computer screens, uh, visual stimuli that is something that they told me to stay away from. Um, but I didn't want to drop out. Um, of my classes, uh, since this happened two weeks into the semester, uh-huh. uh, and it was it's tough to my, put your life on hold. Yeah. And it was in my fifth year of Syracuse. So, I mean, they, they told me that it was a possibility that I would have to, um, but, and, and I definitely did like, I needed over 12 hours of sleep most nights. Hmm. Uh, and days where I, I did have computer work to do was by far the, the worst. Um, and, you know, that it's just that, that feeling that you get really late at night when you've done a ton of work and you're really tired and your brain sort of hurts just from having thought a lot or from being up too late. I would get that feeling at 8 p.m. Uh, and then just have to go to sleep. And I would sleep in, uh, like, till noon. Uh, wow. And and that was for uh, three months. Um, and then, you know, I still uh, was getting, you know, more than eight or nine hours of sleep a night after that. Um, and I really did need it. Uh, I found it, it was hard to focus in classes. Um, I would just sort of zone out a lot of the time. Um and I mean, it's because a concussion is brain damage. Yeah. Um, it's bruising on your brain, uh, usually from your brain uh, being jostled so much that it actually comes in contact with your skull rather than the liquid that it's suspended in. Yeah. Um, well, just hearing all that just amazes me that a guy like Jermichael Finley, tight end for the Packers, if you're familiar with him, Sam, uh, a couple weeks ago, had had such a bad concussion he couldn't walk off the field his his legs were literally wobbly and he's back and playing now just about two or three weeks later and just hearing how 
much. I mean, it doesn't matter that he's probably almost a foot taller than you and has 100 pounds on you. It doesn't. I mean, he suffered a concussion probably to the same, you know, um, same degree around, uh, maybe even worse because he was knocked somewhat unconscious and, uh, and he's back in there playing already and you had such a hard time where you had to sleep for 12 hours a day for, the, for three months straight. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, uh, I, I think it definitely has to do with the type of concussion uh, like we discussed, but also um, one of the big factors for me was that um, football was not my, was not my life. I mean, it, it's the thing that I enjoy the most um, as far as, you know, like activities is, is, are concerned, but it, it's not how I get paid. It's not how uh, I'm, it's not what I'm living off of for the rest of my life. So, I mean, there, if I, you know, if I had, uh, obviously just went to Syracuse university and paid a lot for an education. So Mm -hmm. I need my brain to work properly so that I can pay for that education, um, in the future. And that's really the reason why I've stopped playing, I think, and probably will never play again. Uh, I think that if I did have, a job that didn't demand so much out of my brain, um, then I, I would try to play again, um, whether it be have been this year or in a couple years. Um, I would definitely try to play again uh, if I um, was, for instance, still working construction with uh, my family, which has been a job of my past. Um, so I, I, are you not surprised that uh, Finley came back so quickly then? Uh, well, it, it is it is surprising. I mean, I don't know, having been through it, I don't know how they do that. I don't know what, what they're feeling or what their probably several specialized doctors are telling them um, about it. Um, you know, I, I really only spoke with, with one uh, doctor, the mm-hmm. uh, cognitive psychology expert, actually, um, and, you know, like he, he was really familiar with it, um, but probably not to the degree um, that these other um, people who are actually in the NFL. And they're also, I mean, if you, if you seek treatment from a, uh, like, sports therapist or, um, like, a physical trainer rather than a doctor, you're going to get much different advice um, in that, like, even if you have a, if you have a sprained ankle, doctors usually tell you, yep, just rest it. Um, you know, the normal things, rest, ice, compression, elevation. Um, but you know, just stay off of it for a while. You go to, uh, you know, a, a, a trainer, then they're going to tell you to tape it up and get back in the game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, re- you know, rest it if, if it really needs to be done, but this sort of, you know, there's that question, are you hurt or are you injured? Yeah, and there is a difference. I, yeah, I think that the the line that doctors draw is far more on the cautious side than a, a, a physical trainer. Um, okay. So I think there is some of that to play uh, as <clears throat> in play as well um, with the the uh, concussion experts and doctors who are treating the people in the NFL are are NFL specific and the patients as well as the doctor are pushing, um, pushing, pushing the limits and pushing to try to get back in because 
it, I mean, that's how they get paid. So can I go to work today? Right. I mean, that's, uh, and that, that's a big deal. So I, I don't know if I'm necessarily surprised, um, but it is, uh, it is either impressive or stupid, depending <laughs> on how you look at it or how, uh, how he feels. Um, well, going into our next uh, discussion about how we can make the game safer, I know in the article that uh, you and I had uh, about a week ago now, or I guess by the time this podcast gets released about 10 days ago, uh, we, we discussed um, the, the cleat idea that you had of uh, lowering the traction on the cleats. Is that a, a way that you think they can make the game safer? I know that a lot of us fans and a lot of players would like to see the game safer um, but would like to still maintain the same level of, of physicality. So how can we do that? Um, or do we just have to accept that uh, football is kind of modern-day gladiators? Well, yeah, I think, well, anything that you do is going to make the game safer. Now, the extent of what that safer is, I, I'm not really sure about. But I think that, um, you know, I think helmet technology is great right now. Um, and it's always getting better and the helmets are almost big enough so they interfere with the players or if they were any bigger they probably would interfere with the players abilities Um, so I think that there's not so much of a a leeway um, there or or with the other uh, protective equipment Um, but I do think that one thing that has been uh increasing dramatically is the amount of traction that players have on the field uh new turf is is it's just a really good surface to play on um so much that uh if you haven't played on it before the first probably uh month that you play on it you'll have shin splints um and ankle splints like all like basically sprained ankle all the way around just from running around because the traction is so good it stops you so much quicker um, when you go to make a cut um, that you can actually feel it and it that does play a big part um, in in how fast players can go and how you know quickly they can stop and how much control they have to run into each other Um, and I think that, that that probably is the one of the biggest things that's changed about the sport and probably why um, there seem to be more concussions um, now. I mean, we've talked about the uh, cultural perspective on concussions and how much it is that that we're, we just know more about them today, so mm-hmm. it seems like there's more or whether right. there's actually more today, yeah. um, which I think it's definitely cultural mm-hmm. uh, awareness that makes it seem like there are more concussions, but I do think that there are more concussions as well right. because of how much uh, more physical players are today um, than 15 years ago, uh, and um, and because of the the traction. I mean, they just have the the have the tools in order to make them perform uh, better, and people are flying around a lot faster than than they were. Before. Right, yeah, and, and that's something that you can't really slow down uh, nature in that you can't make these players, they're, they're faster and stronger than they were back in the day when 
really concussions were just called getting your bell rung is kind of what, what they were called. Uh, there's, there's another uh, – so I, I think the, the cleats is a really interesting idea. There was, there was another discussion on Football Nation um, about uh, perhaps mandating an amount of time that a, a player has to be out after suffering a concussion, maybe uh, two weeks or three weeks. Um, don't really know what they would, would make that, but would you be in favor of uh, uh, a mandate like that in the NFL? Well, I think it, it really depends on the player and, and the type of concussion they get or how severe their concussion is. I think that, you know, a two-week timer wouldn't be so so bad. Um, even even a mild concussion could definitely use two weeks of healing time. Because they, they do say that some of the worst concussions are the, is it called the second, second uh, syndrome? The, when, you, when you suffer the second concussion when you already have... Yeah, yeah, when you already have a concussion. Right. Yeah, and you know that that really is what happened to me. It just was in a shorter time frame. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, late in the third quarter, um, I would have said from watching the film and from how I felt that I definitely had a concussion at that point. And then I continued to get hit all through the fourth quarter, um, which is why I've suffered from my symptoms for so long. Um, and, but so I do think that. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think that a mandate uh, would probably be a good thing, um, but it really people shouldn't be shouldn't limit themselves to that. Uh, I think that if they if they do need more time, rather than have a three year career where you played the whole time, I think probably a you know ten to eight year career uh, would be better, even if you had to take one of the years off or a couple you know, half the season off um, because of the concussion you suffered. Uh, one of the last discussions I want to have with you today, Sam, um, we, we talked about it in the article uh, that came out 10 days ago, getting hit in the knees versus getting hit in the head. And it's a big thing now in the NFL. We've seen a lot of ACL, MCL uh, injuries in the knees, um, perhaps defenders, trying to go low on guys, knocking out their legs rather than hitting them in the head and receiving a 15-yard penalty. Uh, what, what, as an offensive player, as a former quarterback, would you rather get hit in the head than the knee? Would you rather get knocked out for the whole season rather than uh, suffer a concussion? What, what's your feeling on that? Well, I think that uh, it all depends on the severity of, of the individual blow. I mean, how hard you get hit in the knee versus how hard you get in the hit in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm talking about like a, a hit that knocks you out, tears your ACL, and your, your year recovery, unless you're Adrian Peterson. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, I mean, like for me, my concussion was, uh, was the same thing as that. It did mm-hmm. knock me out for the rest of the year, and I couldn't play this year. I probably won't play again because um, I have to, you know, protect my head right. for the future. Uh, so. I think that you know either either one can really uh, knock you out for the season or for life. I mean, you could suffer a knee injury that you can never recover from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's less likely uh, than the concussion thing, but it's also different for the people who are playing football for work um, rather than uh, fun. Right. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think money plays a huge part in it. But yeah, so I think that. Um, 
as far as which one I would rather have, I don't know if I can really say. Um, <laughs> never suffer, having suffered a, a, a really bad knee injury. Um, uh, but I do know guys who have, uh, and they were back playing the next year um, on, on the ice storm. Um, I guess I kind of compare this question to, like, would you rather have a high ankle sprain or a broken ankle? I mean, the high ankle sprain could be back in, what, a week, two weeks, but it might linger as, as when you break it. Tearing your ACL, there's a definitive time frame of rehab, and and then you're back. Hopefully, you can play at the same level. Is that a fair comparison? You're saying the high ankle sprain would be like the concussion, and the knee injury would be the would be kind of, would would be like the broken ankle. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think it, I think because because I think that. Um, a concussion could be either of those as well. Um, like we've seen some players do return in a week from a concussion. Right. Um, uh, so I think that a concussion itself can have a, a very large range of uh, recovery time um, as well as, I, well, I guess like a, like a knee sprain or ankle sprain versus a, a tendon tear. Um, would have a shorter recovery time, and it would be you would have more severe symptoms. Um, it, it, that, see, I think that's a good comparison. Is the like a knee tear would be that one hit blow concussion, whereas the the knee sprain would be the type of concussion that I received, which is going to linger mm-hmm. um, on. But I never blacked out uh, or what you know suffered from. Um, nausea um, or vomiting or really most of the symptoms um, that you would associate with a concussion uh, I had double vision uh, tiredness, headaches uh, so that I think that, that a concussion can be either that sprain or that tear also, it just depends on, um, you know, the person getting hit, their sort of genetic composition uh, and how hard or what type of hit they suffer. Um, so uh, to answer that question, I, I, I would rather have been knocked out and removed from play um, than, and, and have that heal more quickly because if I had done that, then, then, you know, that's, you go, okay, I've had one concussion mm-hmm. and I could probably, you know, suffer from a few more concussions before I do need to, uh, think about not playing anymore. Um, and if I had suffered that type of concussion in high school, rather than the type retrospectively that I have, um, that I've thought that I now know were definitely concussions, mm-hmm. um, but didn't know at the time uh, because the, the symptoms were so subtle, then I, I would be able to at least count them um, and, and sort of do it that way. People say, you're like, you know, if you have three to four concussions, then you really don't want to put yourself in uh, that type of situation again where you could receive more concussions because that's when the damage can be a more severe or permanent. Permanent, right. Um, so, but the, the healing time frame is like a big deal. I mean, I would rather have, uh, had a really crappy 
two weeks than the suffering through the mental tiredness and double vision that I've had for, uh, that I had quite severely for four months and that I've had for over a year now. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that would be an even more reason to have the mandate is to, I I think that, that, um, that is a good idea because then after two weeks, you could really, uh, I think more uh, evaluate more clearly, um, the severity of your concussion, uh, and, and have a more of a time to recover from that if you, if you needed it, um, rather than like the, uh, player last week or a couple of weeks ago who, who did return after one week, um, mm-hmm. I, I do think that no matter what type of concussion or how minor you get, one week is is really too soon because they are they are too serious and too um, severe consequences for, like you said, the second concussion. Uh, last point that I want to make: um, you, you brought up the the NFL doctors, and I, I believe what you said was true about uh, the NFL and each team having their own doctors, and that kind of becomes maybe a little dangerous as these doctors are probably pressured by the organization that's hired them to let these guys go back in the game, to clear them maybe quicker than they really want to. I, I, I've heard players come out, uh, specifically uh, I've heard safety Troy Palomalu say that, I don't know if he's ever, ever came out and said, I played while knowing I had a concussion or went back in a game, but he said he would not hesitate to go back in and help his team um, win despite having a concussion. And Quite honestly, I didn't play football, but I played sports. And if I played football and I had a concussion, but if it was a big game and I was needed, I'd probably go back in too. Is that something, like, where's the line? Where does the player, is it his own decision? And the NFL compensating these players who go back into the game and and know that they are going to have probably permanent damage? Uh, I think that... Yeah, I think that um, the doctors probably are pressured to put them in um, more rapidly than another doctor would um, from the league, Mm -hmm. uh, which is probably a problem. Uh, I think that um, ultimately it is the player's decision, and I think it should be the player's decision. I mean, it's your body, it's your head your future Mm -hmm. um so depending on how you want to spend it or what risks you want to take i mean that no one can make any other decisions for you in life so that has to be your decision as well um yes i think that's your decision when you go out on the field you know that you have a chance to break your leg tear your acl suffer concussion it is an extremely physical sport and uh they're getting a lot of money to play uh so i think that that is um, something that we should address. I don't like a lot of the rule changes that have been uh, in place. Um, because of that, it does change the game. Um, for instance, moving the kick up, kickoffs up closer, um, so half the kicks just end up out of the back of the end zone. Uh, you're taking away a big aspect of the game, making some players, like for instance Adrian Peterson, less valuable uh, because there's less kick returns um and the same thing can be said for most of the rules uh about tackling the quarterback you're making certain players 
much less valuable, such as Ben Roethlisberger, uh, who can stand in there and take those hits uh, and make the plays um, while you're protecting um, other players with other styles um, and making them You can say it. You can say Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are getting protected. Yeah, Yeah, well... I wasn't necessarily trying to like leave their names out of it, but just <laughs> uh, you know, they're they're being pampered is really mm-hmm. what it comes down to. I mean, yeah, like don't hit a quarterback's arm while he's throwing. Like that's a good rule; it's been around forever. Um, or don't hit a defenseless receiver. Um, those are good rules, but the type the types of tackles that you actually have to make on a quarterback for it to be a clean hit now is so limiting. Uh, you have to slow down so much. You have to, uh, you know, and, and some of these quarterbacks who have no chance at getting away otherwise um, because, you know, the defensive end comes off the line hard and he doesn't get blocked because he has to slow down so much and, and basically two hand touch this quarterback to the ground. Uh, they do end up getting away. And uh, just the other day, one of those quarterbacks who is not mobile and would not get away got pushed by uh, a defensive end um, because, and, and you could tell that the defensive end slowed way down almost to a stop and then shoved the quarterback to avoid any potential penalties. And the quarterback just took a few quick steps to regain his balance and then ended up running 10 yards for a first down uh, because there was no contain because the Mm. defensive end thought the play was over. You know, he pushed him and he thought he was going to fall over and he didn't. Um, And I I do think that it it is too limiting for the sport. I mean, those quarterbacks get paid millions of dollars and it's, you know, they're playing the game and, you know, if he can't, if you can't take the hits, then you, you shouldn't be playing the sport, and you should let someone who, who can take the hits be the one who's who's making millions of dollars. Um, so I, I don't like uh, I don't like the game being changed either, uh, and I, I think that while the the hits are really serious, um, you know, there, there's so many talented people who who can play um, now today um, that. You know, if, if your career has to be shorter to ensure your health uh, or, you know, I mean, that's all up to you. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't think the game should change as much as it, it is changing with these new rules, which is why I think that the, the limiting the amount of traction that players can have on the field is a good way of doing it. Because you can't, uh, you can't say, you can't put a limit on how, hard someone can work out. I mean, every player in the NFL is trying to be the best they can be um, to contribute to their team as much as possible and, you know, to contribute to their own personal, um, you know, stats and abilities. You, they're tr- so you can't limit the players physically. You can't say, oh, well, you can't have protein supplements and you can't work out as hard and, uh, but you, you can limit the equipment that they use and what the fields are, are like. And on a grass field with half-inch spikes, you're going to find a lot less concussions than on a turf field with half-inch spikes. Or even if they, they needed to go down to a quarter-inch 
um, or something like that to provide less traction, to build up less speed and have less hard hits. And if you did do that, then you would you would have less of those you know knee and ankle injuries as well because your feet would be more likely to slip out from under you than be pinned uh, or you know have your knee blown out. You have me convinced. That's once again Sam Jones, ex semi pro quarterback. Thanks for coming on the show today, Sam. <laughs> Thanks. That was former semi pro quarterback Sam Jones. I think I uh, wanted to make it clear to some of our listeners, you know, I think maybe not listening back to the interview, uh, I tried to make a lot of comparisons to, to Sam's situation along with uh, some of the other NFL player situations um, in terms of concussions. And I think I just, I just wanted to make it clear that to, to people listening that I, I, I didn't want to try and directly compare Sam to um, – to guys like Jermichael Finley and other players. Obviously, I think Sam made it very clear that concussions are kind of a case-by-case thing. Um, but I thought it was very very worthwhile bringing him on the show. And once again, Sam, thanks for coming on. And um, I didn't want it to be at all um, a, a political statement of anything. I don't mean to say that uh, NFL has to make drastic changes or um, needs to be better at making the game safer or, or anything like that. I just thought it would be quite beneficial for, for everyone to hear a inside perspective of what it's actually like to um, suffer a concussion and, and have the side effects of it afterwards. And that's what I believe Sam brought us in his 40-minute forty minute, episode, uh, 40 minute uh, conversation with him. That was actually extensively edited, believe it or not, the I cut out over 10 minutes of Sam and I's conversation, and I'm actually considering putting up the whole conversation on my website, which is davidmholcomb.com. If there are, if there is a big interest in hearing the entire conversation, now some of it is, you know, uh, Sam and I, well, Sam and I are pretty good friends, so so part of it is a little bit uh, goofing off, you could say. Um, the the Edited version is is much cleaner and polished. But if anybody's interested in in hearing complete the completely unedited version of what Sam and I uh, discussed uh, over the weekend, then I would be more than willing to put that on my website. We're gonna take a break. Here's another song from Aha. Yes, the name of the band is Aha. And then we'll come back and wrap up today's show. Here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle, I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We're approaching the one-hour mark, so we want to wrap this up pretty quickly. I'm going to have one fourth and long statement and then give you two articles to read during the during this week uh, before week seven. Believe it or not, week seven is just a couple days away. Of course, if you're listening on Monday, we have Monday night game uh, tonight between the Chargers and Colts. And then quick turnaround every week in the NFL uh, week seven, just a couple of days away on Thursday. But uh, the one statement I want to talk about 
on um, uh, in our fourth and long segment. Actually, going to go with the Giants. So we talked about the Saints, talked about the Patriots, two great teams, and there was a lot of other great action on uh, Sunday that we weren't able to get to in today's podcast. But I want to talk about the Giants. 0-6, in trouble. Everybody keeps talking about, oh, they're only a couple games behind. Well, at 0-6, <laughs> unless they win out or, or win every game but one, you have to believe that the season is pretty much over in terms of playoffs for the Giants. Um, hopefully for New York fans, they don't pack it in yet. But the statement that I wanted to say today, Hakeem Nix, has, his name has been flying around uh, with trade rumors. My statement, the, the Giants should trade Knicks for a draft pick. And I'm actually going to agree with that and say yes. Not because I think Hakeem Nicks is at all a, a bad player or, or a bad teammate, but I think this is kind of a transition year for the Giants. Obviously, they're hoping it's a transition year. They hope it's not the beginning of things to come. Um, so, And he's getting older. People kind of forget... Eli is now over 30. I believe he's 31 or 32. So uh, his days are numbered as an NFL quarterback. We've seen you know Brett Favre go out there and, and still continue to do well at 40. Uh, Peyton is getting up there, his brother, at 37. So realistically, I think you can expect Eli to have five to six more solid seasons. Uh, I don't expect him to have a season like his brother's having at 37 or anywhere close to that. I mean, no one's had anywhere close to what Peyton's doing right now at any age, practically. I mean, he's having a season off the charts. Uh, but but anyway, time, time is ticking on the Eli Manning clock. And um, I think with the team signing Victor Cruz to a big contract. Ruben Randall, he's in his second year as a wide receiver. He's coming into his own. I think the Giants can part ways with Knicks, who's in the final year of his contract. And maybe it's best to kind of trade him away to a team like maybe Detroit. Maybe Atlanta is looking to get a deal done. Uh, I don't know how Atlanta's going to react to their 1-4 start. They're on a bye this week, so maybe they try and get something going uh, with a new wide receiver because they've been banged up at that position. Again, Detroit has had some injuries at that position. They're in the hunt in the NFC North. I think he's been a good player for them. I like Hakeem Nix. He fits well with the Giants. But it might be time to try and get some young blood and develop players quickly um, with drafting as many good young players this year and next year as possible for the Giants to get uh, a lot of fresh young players, uh, rejuvenize the franchise, and gear up for another Super Bowl run before Eli Manning retires. Um, You don't want to kind of pack it in and start rebuilding in three or four years from now, because then Eli Manning, by the time you're ready, by the time you're built up to a Super Bowl team, he might be, uh, he might be on the, down, the decline of his career. So you want it to start now. the The rebuilding process for the Giants starts now for them, and they got a. Um, I think their first move happens this season with the trade of Hakeem Nix. The two articles that I found most interesting when I was looking on Sunday night on our website, footballnation.com, another one by David Levin. He gets referenced on our show quite a bit. Talking about Michael Vick and now the rumors um, flying around him, whether or not he's going to finish 
well, he, it looks like he'll finish the season with the Eagles, but whether or not he'll be back with the team next year with the way Nick Foles is playing, basically, I mean, he won his first start, although it was against Tampa Bay, and came in and beat the Giants uh, last week. Now, I think you got to hold the phone a little bit on this because Nick Foles, look at the teams he's beat. Okay, Tampa Bay and... The Giants, who have a combined whopping zero wins between them. So let's let's see what, what Foles does next week against the Cowboys. But if Vic ends up not being an Eagle next season, David Levin wrote a great article about six teams that could use Michael Vick in 2014. I would check that out. And on our sister website, coldhardfootballfacts.com, an article written by Kerry J. Byrne, uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He uh, has been a guest star on uh, Football Nation Radio quite a bit. He comes out with all these interesting statistics, these brand new ways of looking at football and dissecting the game, and they're really, really interesting stats. Some of them, I think, are pretty detailed, and, and it's, it's t- I'm not a huge, huge stat person, so it's, it's tough for me to buy into all of these stats on Cold Hard Football facts.com but there's a lot of really interesting things that his stats try and measure such as intelligence or bendability on defense that um, when it really comes when push comes to shove in a game an, an intelligent play or a bad decision really often makes or breaks a team whether they win or lose decides a game whether your team wins or loses so and Lots of stats, most common stats, don't measure uh, intelligence. So for um, for our site to have that, or our sister site, coldhardfootballfacts.com, to have a site that measures intelligence is really quite intriguing, I believe. So I would check out the site as a whole to see all those interesting stats they have. But they have a great article called Fear the Chiefs, Powerful Kansas City AFC's Team to Beat. Now that's quite a statement We talked about the Patriots in the first segment of today being a team to possibly beat in the AFC. The the Broncos are going to be there. We know that in the the end of the season in the AFC. But the team to beat, Kerry is saying, is not the Broncos. It's a different team in in the West, the Kansas City Chiefs. I would check out that article as well. Don't forget, on Tuesday and Thursday, Bill Enright and Todd DeFries are live on Football Nation Radio from 12 to 2. A great place to get fantasy football news and advice for your team on the next upcoming matchup. And just another great place to get football news in general on our site, footballnation.com. We will be back next week on Monday. We're actually hoping to bring on Bill Enright himself as a guest. And we will discuss probably the New York Giants in detail. Hopefully... For them, they get a win by then. They're taking on the Minnesota Vikings, so we'll see a winnable game for them. And I bet Bill, of course, will want to talk about fantasy football. He's an expert on that subject and other stuff going around on in the league next week. So pay attention for that episode and enjoy your week, everybody. <laughs>